Okay. So, in full confession, <laughs> um, I didn't know I was gonna I was going to be giving the talk tonight until just last night. <laughs> Uh, James was going to be here, and and something came up, and he he just couldn't, and uh, so I happened to be available, <laughs> but um, uh, it didn't give a whole lot of time to prepare a talk. Or usually, I take a week to just kind of think a, a theme or topic over, and and read read passages or read on the on the subject. And so I asked James, well, what do you want me to talk about? And he said, well, I want you to talk about hatred. And I um, have been in this lovey baby land <laughs> for the last couple of, almost couple months. And um, uh, that just seemed like the furthest thing from what I would actually want to talk about. <laughs> but it sounded like a challenge. And I said, Okay. And so I've been thinking about it um, since last night, and some interesting—I I, some interesting reflections have certainly come up. I haven't been that connected to the news since I've been away, but um, I have been connected with what's been going on in Florida um, as as the information has been coming about the shooter and and the people who were the victims and all who have been affected, all the communities affected by. Uh, this really uh, incredible tragedy. Um, and so I was reflecting on, on that and how um, even being not only distance-wise far away from what had happened, but just uh, mentally far away from something like that, just being in the space that I've been in um, lately, uh, that... Even still, this this um, theme of of hatred, and of course, this goes in classically with the Buddhist uh, three poisons of greed, hatred, and delusion. That these, uh, what are called the poisons of the mind, even in uh, lovely baby land, um, or just being in a space of deep rest and, and love is uh, it's, it's not something to neglect, not something to um, uh, ignore, that these forces are alive, not only in the world, but still alive in each and every one of us, most likely. Um, and so with that in mind, it became a lot easier to start reflecting on on this particular topic and how it relates to myself and in this at this particular point in time, so I want I will share a bit of that with you in a moment. But I thought it might also be helpful for all of us to just take a moment to reflect on this particular theme and see how do we personally connect with this theme of hatred. What is it to us? Where does it show up? Not only in our life events, uh, but also within us. Where does, it, where does it creep in? Is it something that is actually very present for you right now in your life? Or does it seem 
like more of a memory, something that feels more distant and perhaps not so relatable. Um, So I'd like us all to just take a moment and see uh, what comes up. And so we can start by just thinking about these past events, um, perhaps in particular uh, uh, the shooting in Florida and what that brings up for you. Um, Perhaps uh, there's other events that have been happening. Uh, Certainly there's been a lot of um, hate and um, anger that's come up through the election, for example. Um, and just so, so, just taking a moment to reflect on your relationship with hatred right now. Where are you seeing it? And then more specifically, what, where do you see it in yourself? Where does this particular uh, poison of the mind and heart, where does it come in for you? Is there hatred there? Maybe this is not something you experience very often. Maybe it's more, uh, it, it arrives not so much as hatred, but as anger or fear, dislike, intense aversion. As you're reflecting on this, how does it feel not only in your mind but in your body? How does it manifest in the, in the body? Is it tight, contracted? Is there a certain area of the body that you often feel it? Some people feel it in the stomach, others in the chest, others in the arms and in the fists, others in the full body. just takes over. What happens in the mind when hatred is present? When someone has really wronged you or you see something incredibly unjust or maybe um, it comes up in fear of your own safety, of your own life or the safety or life of another, someone you care about. Hatred arises. What happens in the mind? What does the mind do? What is the habit of the mind when hatred is present? It might be hard to answer some of these questions, actually. Some of you might be very familiar, though, with all of these uh, manifestations of hatred. And so then taking a moment to notice your relationship with that. Is there a feeling of not wanting to look at that or admit that? Is there guilt that arises? Is there an okayness with this, uh, with hatred arising, that this is a part of your experience? Is there some denial in there? Fear? Is there hatred for the hatred? 
just seeing what's true for you. Maybe the hatred has a story with it, and so the hatred feels justified. Are you feeling justified in your hatred? Maybe it's confusing. It's not so clear. So let's just take um, a little bit of time to hear from some of you if you feel like sharing what came up for you. And, and we'll uh, just ask that each person who does speak just to keep it brief so that um, a number of you have time to, to share. And if I could have someone volunteer also to pass around the mic, that's always really helpful. And I do ask you to speak into the mic because um, it helps for everyone to be able to hear. And also, you should know this is recorded and put on Dharma Seed, and so it helps for us to have the microphone for you. Great. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Um, So I noticed with, I've been noticing lately over probably the past year with my meditation practice that anger for myself and also, it seems with other people, um, underneath, like the anger is almost like a defense or a reaction. And underneath that, a lot of the time is this deep grief. Mm. And a lot of the time, if you see someone very angry or about to get in a fight or getting in a fight, tears will be streaming down his face. Mm. Um, and it just makes me think of, uh, yeah, just this deep sadness and grief, almost like you don't know what to do with it. Um, and it's sort of like this. Yeah, anger seems to be a layer on top of another emotion a lot of the time. Mm. Thank you. I think that's true. What else? Um, So I I feel like I've been saying recently when talking about the elections with people and just all the events going on that there's just so much more hatred around than I realize, and that's all just coming up. Um, and it just makes me really sad that people are living this, these lives full of so much hatred, which is kind of a void of love for themselves, void of love for others. And um, just knowing the fulfillment you get from having that love. And I think the hate is coming from just this lack of love. And that makes me sad because I want everyone to be able to experience that. Um, and then also I was thinking, like, you know, I don't feel hate very often just feels like such a very such a strong word but then when mm-hmm. you said a strong aversion or a dislike I definitely have that in my life and that's not you know just because I don't use the word hate it's still this negative energy I'm putting towards other people so it's still something to explore and, mm-hmm. and work with mm-hmm. yeah thank you Hatred just seems, is it, am I? Mm-hmm. You got it. Such a part of our culture. Mm. But one of the things that really struck me was really meaningful. I don't know if any of you saw the, I think it was Assistant Lieutenant Governor of Utah mm. who spoke. And it really touched me. He... Um, 
Was that at Muhammad Ali's uh, funeral? No, no, no. It was about Orlando. Oh, okay. I missed And he started out by saying, by acknowledging his own homophobia. Mm -hmm. And then he asked people in the audience what they felt when they heard that 49 people had been killed. Mm. And then what they felt when they heard that there were 49 gay people who had been killed. And he got very tearful, and I felt it was really courageous of him because it it was another layer. I mean, I know we've had an, a lot of killings in the black community, and um, and this was different. And so it's just to acknowledge that um, my sadness is is about the fact that that it was an expression of such homophobic um, anger and rejection that precipitated this. Mm-hmm. Thank you. It's and it's part of what I'm hoping we can reflect on is that not only can we. Uh, see hatred arising in others, sometimes it's easier to see that, right? And to feel something for that and have a response to that. But we don't always reflect on, on our own. And there can be such hidden layers of uh, prejudice, um, racism, um, uh, even uh, uh, just neglect for um, uh, the parts of society that we feel are um, uh, just more worthy of our pity than our connection and our care. Um, so this is part of tonight's reflection, I'm hoping, that we that we actually turn that light towards ourselves and, and really look to see what what where are the seeds for, for hatred or if hatred's too strong of a word, then then for the aversions and um, our our lack of love, uh, uh, where does that show up within ourselves? Thank you. I think what came up for me is absolutely not anything to do with hatred, but mostly a complete sense of powerlessness, a complete sense of vulnerability. And a, c- a complete, very deep sense of sadness for seeing the amount of hatred that exists around us. Mm-hmm. Uh, what happened in Florida hit really pretty close to home for me for a variety of reasons. Um, I have a Sufi Muslim lineage in my family. I am a member of the LGBT community, so my community was targeted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then one of the f- people that died in the shooting is somebody that organized our trip when we went on the Mediterranean trip last year. Mm. Eddie, the guy with the top hat. Um, And he was not a friend, but he was with us for 10 days, chaperoning us in front of the bus. And when I learned about the details of what was going on, because we're connected on Facebook and we we know a lot of people because um, of the friendships we made in in the cruise, I was... On, on Sunday, I just felt a deep sense of complete powerlessness and completely vulnerable. And I came to accept that 
what happened in Florida can happen to any of us at any time and anywhere. And what I can do is just to live my life for today mm. because I really don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. And so there is no hatred. There is just acceptance of really the condition of what it means to be human. And um, so I'm, I'm pretty grateful to be alive today. Mm. And, but I do not take any of it for granted because yeah. I know that things can change in a split of a second. So hatred is not what's on the plate for me. Yeah, it's wisdom. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Uh, you know, I don't... Me and my wife, we, we got rid of cable uh-huh. because, well, she still likes to watch the news. I don't, you know. Um, I feel the media is kind of like promoting this stuff in a way, you know. They, I wish they would put more of the good things that are happening around the, the world, you know, on on television. And, and uh, maybe that would promote more good, you know, as, a, as far as... Um, I mean, when we, they, these kids started killing kids at school, you mm-hmm. know, it seemed like it was a kind of a fad almost, you know. And, um, and uh, you know, I don't know. You know I'm not, it's not that I'm not I'm angry at the media or anything. I just don't want to participate in that, mm-hmm. you know. And um, uh, if I want to know the weather, my iPhone will tell me right now. You know, and that's about all I need the news for, you know. Um, but more on a, a personal note to the, about the anger and stuff and the hatred, um, my personal uh, uh, issue, is, not issues with it, but uh, experience with it is um, I suffer from depression, you know, and you mentioned uh, not wanting to look at things, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, sometimes it's not a matter of not wanting to look at it but not knowing what I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. And, and so um, sometimes my, my, I, I, my depression comes out in anger or, or just negativity. You know, I'll start looking at stuff and um, start uh, uh, judging, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and even myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I really attack myself, you know, and... Um, so uh, you said one thing about, you know, nobody really wants to admit they have hatred. You know what I mean? It's, it's not cool, you know. But, uh, I mean, you get people that are into peace protest and, and they hate the government. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where, you know, yeah. it's the, the, you're here for peace, but you hate the government, you know. Yeah. And um, so there, it, that kind of confuses me um, as far as what they're really you know, it's just an opinion. It almost seems like a judgment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but for me, um, what really helps me is, is to know sometimes that, that that's just part of who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, the depression comes. It, I, so I don't know why at times, you know, most times, almost every time, mm-hmm. you know. And, and it, and it kind of creeps up on me where I don't even know I'm feeling it until, mm-hmm. like, Sometimes she'll tell me, hey, are you okay? You know, I'll be like taking naps when you know, I haven't been. Or, uh, but so I, I, try, um, I try to just be really aware of it. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like, okay, Mara, I see you. 
you know, you're here, but I'm not going to let you con- control me. And that, that's about the best that I can do with it, you know, is yeah. uh, try to work with that instead of, because uh, it does, it feels really yucky when you start uh, just, oh, this and that, and oh, I don't like that, and oh, that neighbor, he's always doing me and my neighbor were talking today, and he was telling me how this guy comes by on his motorcycle at 4.30 in the morning with his stereo blaring. And, oh, that guy. You know, and I, I, you know, I just kind of laughed. And, and uh, you know, but, y- you know, you can go on and on with that stuff. I mean, it, it feeds itself. You can see how it is really a poison in the mind. It, it does. It feeds itself. And, and, yeah. You know, I'd rather talk about your baby. <laughs> no, really. In some ways, I would too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, yeah. were, we were sitting in the car tonight, uh, right out front here. We got here early, and you know, we're on our iPhones. And but these little kids went by, and um, mm-hmm. little boy and little girl, little girls giggling, laughing. And she did some. I didn't see what exactly she did to her little brother. Uh-huh. But she took off running, giggling, laughing. And he chased after her, and I just thought, you know how how innocent and pure, and just yeah, you know, and, and it's. Like you said, it's not something you can ignore. No. Because you know? if you ignore it, then when it comes at you really hard, you're not going to know how to deal with it. That's right. And, um, but, but it sure is nice just to sit back and look at the good in, in things, you know. And instead of, I, I didn't even know about the Florida thing until tonight driving here. Mm. She told me about it. Yeah. Did you hear about yeah. the Florida thing? I said, what? What are you talking about? She goes, oh, there's a mass killing. Yeah. I was like, you know, and, and, and it doesn't matter if they're black, gay, or who they are, mm-hmm. you know, killing is killing, and um, it, it is, it's really sad that, that things are kind of happening the way they are, and not just in the United States, but all over the place. Yeah, and, um, so I'm, I'll stop you just right here, because everything you're saying is just so relatable, and um, I just want to, I, I want to use some of what you're saying and, and weave it into... Um, some of the things that I've been thinking about, one, one being that, uh, yes, you can see how much this, it is a poison of the mind that we can actually feed that. And when it's fed, it just it grows. And so when we are hating somebody else's hatred, for example, um, what comes out of that is more hatred. And, and it just it grows in that way. Um, or, you know, perhaps I, it's a great example of the neighbor coming out and going off on the someone, you know, driving down the street with the motorcycle and it's blaring and loud and da-da-da. And I could see really being annoyed with that. I could see be, listening to the neighbor and joining in, right, with, yeah, you know, da-da, that jerk and da-da. And suddenly you're connecting with each other's anger, right, and and dislike or or whatever it is, those feelings. Suddenly there's there's camaraderie within that hatred right and it's yeah and then it just it 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 grows right and so you could see how this not only within our own mind but we actually influence the people around us in such a big way and so um it is so important for us to really check in and and see and understand and, and not be turned away from it um and it's also important to notice the other parts of life. So there's the saying, the 10,000 joys, the 10,000 sorrows, that both are true, both are here. And we can see how we can feed the mind in this other way, in rejoicing in the laughter of a child running down the street. 
and really being there with it and seeing not only, oh, isn't that sweet, but actually understanding what we're doing in that moment by taking that in and bringing attention to it is feeding the mind in a different way. You know, when we sit here and uh, if (laughs) in those 45 minutes you felt some peace, (laughs) for example, and you felt some ease in the body, bringing attention to that and knowing that that is in fact feeding the mind and heart in a really particular way. That is the opposite if, then, if we're sitting here just ruminating over and over again about something that is based in these three poisons, greed, hatred, and delusion, and not doing anything about it, just kind of letting it run, not actually knowing that that's happening, not really seeing clearly what the consequence of that is. So all of these things have consequences. When we watch the news, so again, it's a, it's a, it's a balance act, right? So... It's important, I think, for us to be connected in a way. And, and it's also important for us to know when is that um, actually feeding something else? When is it time to turn it off? I love NPR. I live off of NPR in my car. <laughs> and there comes a point where I have to just turn it off because I can see where I'm not only... Um, uh, feeling anger or disgust or um, sadness about what's going on in the news, uh, but I can see it actually overtaking me. It's, it's no longer something that I'm able to bal- be in balance with and hold in a wise way. And in that moment, I know it's time to, to turn it off or turn the channel to something else. Um, and so so part of this exploration is finding balance in how do, we, how do we approach this? How do we approach our own hatred? How do we approach hearing uh, hatred from others? How do, we, how do we be with the hatred we might be experiencing towards ourselves uh, in, in, in our life? So some of us might be uh, really blessed not to right now be the object of somebody else's hatred. And others of us, uh, you might have, feel like you have a big target on your back these days. Um, how, do you, how do you work with that? How do you stay in balance with that? How do you not get sucked in to that and suddenly share in the exchange of hatred, hatred for the one who is hating you? This is not easy. There's nothing easy about it. It's also complicated. There's nothing simple about it. Um, these are, are very much layered, as someone was saying, very layered experiences. Um, hatred comes up looking like many different things. And so it's part of the work that we do here um, to actually bring our attention to it as much as we can, uh, even if it's just turning towards it for a moment and then stepping back when it becomes too much and then coming back to it again. Other times we might find we actually have the ability to just really sit in the fire of something like hatred and really stay with it. What is this? Getting to know it. But that's not always true. It's not always that easy. I have um, a couple of quotes that I found were relevant, that actually um, I have to give credit to James. He sent them to me in hopes that I would do this talk. (laughs) 
And they were, these are great quotes. This is by a man, Alexander, uh, I think you say the last name, uh, Solzinski? Solzinskin? So, say it again. Yes, thank you. <laughs> Russian. Yes, thank you. I'm not, I, I, you notice I'm not even trying to repeat it. <laughs> My tongue won't do that. Um, yes, and uh, this is what he has to say. If only it were so simple. If only there were evil people somewhere insidiously committing evil deeds and it, were, uh, and it were necessary only to separate them from the rest of us and destroy them. Sometimes I think we have it in our mind that that is actually a possibility. But the line dividing good and evil cuts through the heart of every human being. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? And so just notice if there's familiarity there, that there's a wish, a wanting to be able to just say, okay, here are the evildoers. Let's just get rid of them. Let's, you know, do something about this. And this is, uh, this seems, I think, in our mind, justified and very simple. But like I said, the mind and the heart, it's not simple in any one of us. In any one of us, we all have these traits of greed, hatred, and delusion. What we do with those varies, certainly. But we have this in each of us. So how do we divide and conquer in this way? I think often when, you know, I was thinking about Star Wars and how um, it's such a great example. You've got um, the good and the evil, the light and the dark, um, uh, fighting against each other. And it's just really obvious in the movie who's the baddie and who's the goodie. And um, we see that a lot in our media and in movies and how how Hollywood portrays um, good and evil often. And then every once in a while you get a show or a movie where uh, the person we're, we're meant to really fall in love with is the bad guy. And it's so it's actually much more interesting and complex and confusing. And it becomes a character you love to hate because what? We see the humanness in that character so much more than these other types of movies or shows where it's just so clearly divided. And these other examples, it's just so much more human. We actually see ourselves and our own potential in those characters, don't we? that given the right circumstances, we could all be that bad guy. And perhaps we are, to certain people, that bad guy. So it's just something to keep in mind. This is Martin Luther King. The ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a... Sorry, the ultimate weakness of violence is that it is a descending spiral, begetting the very thing it seeks to destroy. Instead of diminishing evil, it multiplies it. 
Through violence, you murder the hater, but you do not murder hate. In fact, violence merely increases hate. Returning violence for uh, returning violence for violence multiplies violence, adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of stars. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. And then the Buddha said something very similar. So you can see that this is really a timeless message. In this world, hate never dispels hate. Only love dispels hate. This is the law, ancient and inexhaustible. But we forget that. We get so caught up, I think, in, in hate, in anger. Uh, these are natural responses, by the way, to what we're hearing and seeing and perhaps even experiencing personally. To see something unjust and have anger arise, that seems pretty natural to me. And I think that the idea here is not to see these parts of ourselves and be um, scared of them or feel like there's something wrong with us, but instead, instead to see the humanness that is arising in that moment, to actually see it quite clearly, this is what is present right now in response to what's happening. And then it becomes our, our, our job as, uh, as practitioners, as uh, perhaps people who are wanting something different uh, than to perpetuate hatred and anger, to work with it rather than to speak or act from that place. But the fact that these emotions uh, and mon- mental states arise uh, we're not robots here. We're human. And in fact, this, the anger that can arise or even the hatred that can arise, when seen really clearly, that energy that is with the anger or the hatred, the energy that can come with it, can be redirected as a force for uh, good, for uh, change. Um, for more care for ourselves, for more care and love for our loved ones, to see that our life is so precious, as you were sharing. Uh, so out of, out of these um, experiences, out of seeing all of this in the mind and in the heart, it can be directed in a very different way than perhaps... Um, we're habitually uh, tending to. So this is, this is very possible. It's possible right now. The Buddha, uh, he talks about how, um, I don't think I have the quote directly, so it's a bit, paraf- I'm going to paraphrase it, but um, he says that we are what we think. We are what we think. We create our reality internally. We are what we think. And 
all that we are uh, arises with our thoughts. All that we are arises with our thoughts. So our identity, our belief systems, our perception, our perspective arises with our thoughts. And so how we feed our mind influences those thoughts. It influences how we're seeing the world. It's like, Ken, what you were saying. When you're depressed, this is so relatable. When we're depressed, uh, when we're not feeling so great, uh, when we're down on ourselves, the way that that then shades our reality is very different from when we're feeling really great. When we're having this really terrific day, when we've just had a connection with someone that was really meaningful and uplifting, it's, a, it's very different. So we can see just how our mind creates our reality. We're so deeply influenced by this mind and heart, and so how we feed it makes a huge difference. And this quote goes on to say that when we have a mind that is... Uh, tainted by these poisons, you can imagine just the poison seeping into our mind and our heart, uh, and we speak and think from that, and act from that particular mind, um, we'll just end up in trouble. It's just going to lead us into trouble. And then he relates this to, uh, a mind like this relates it to an ox pulling a cart. And you can imagine the heaviness of what that would feel like. So it's like something we end up dragging behind us uh, in the weight of that, the weight of hatred. It's so heavy. And we do, and we take it with us everywhere when it's present. When that is what's in the mind and has a hold on us, it doesn't matter what's going on. You could hear that, that same child, you know, running down the street laughing, and it wouldn't affect you in the same way necessarily uh, if we're completely overcome with, with hatred in the mind. Instead, we might even be annoyed by that sound, right? And so it's this heaviness that we, we carry along with us. It taints our entire reality. So if the mind is, say, free from that, if we have a mind that's being fed in a different way, with compassion and love and uh, feeling in harmony with everyone and everything. Um, or just an okayness. It doesn't have to be all rainbows and butterflies and unicorns and all that lovey, gushy stuff. <laughs> it can also just be an okayness in the mind. A mind that's just content, uh, equanimous. Uh, this cool warmth in the mind and in the heart. Uh, this also can be very refreshing. It doesn't have to be so big, such a big emotion. Uh, but it makes a difference on how we're viewing our reality. And so a mind like this is a mind that will certainly create more happiness we will experience more happiness, more contentment. So that's what it creates. That's the consequence of that. And it's likened in, in the sutta to a shadow that's unshakable. You can imagine the lightness of a shadow and that it's with you always. And to imagining happiness in that way. 
And so our happiness and our non-hatred is developed from what we're feeding in the mind. And this is how it works. These are the consequences. So how do we... um, how do we deal with, with hatred? How do we work with it? Uh, and there's lots of responses that I could give. In fact, I bet you have some, some ways that you are working with hatred in your life, perhaps right now. Um, the one that came to mind the loudest, though, that I was a bit surprised with and really wanted to share was that we can't be complacent. I think perhaps... Um, our, our biggest enemy in, when it comes to hatred is complacency. When we become uh, not just lazy in the mind, or maybe that is part of what's happening, but um, just perhaps unwilling to look. Becoming okay with... Um, not only hatred and anger arising, but our actions that come out of it. You know, feeling justified. Well, I'm depressed, so this is how I'm acting. Deal with it, kind of thing. Or perhaps feeling untouched by something like hatred. That this is not something in my own reality. You know, that kind of storyline. Um, that this is something that I don't carry. It's not a part of my reality. And if that's something that tr- feels really true for you, um, I won't argue against that. But I would say to look closer, to look more deeply, and to really check it out. Because it does come in so many different subtle forms that we could really be missing. And the truth is, if it is there, and it, seems, it might seem subtle internally, most likely it's being acted out in a not-so-subtle way. And it's coming out in microaggressions or it's coming out in um, uh, just offhanded comments or um, maybe a way in which we are not dealing with our reality or certain people. So to really take a close look, not to be complacent. That in order to change the heart and the mind, we really do have to be persistent in seeing it, seeing it for what it is, bringing forgiveness, compassion, care, mindfulness to what we are finding. But to start with, we have to come with this intention to be consistent with it, to be uh, constant with it, not complacent. So we have a little bit of time for um, any questions that you might have. And I know earlier I was asking for more comments, but um, I'd like to have a little bit of time now for just questions. And if someone would be willing to pass the mic, which I don't think I have, do I? Oh, you have it, Jackie. That's great. So we can start up up here. When I hear about the three poisons, hatred, greed, greed, and, and delusion, delusion. Mm-hmm. 
I often wonder where does fear live uh-huh. among those three. So when you hear those three, what 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 makes sense for you? Where well, does fear arise? I think there's one missing. <laughs> there's one missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. why 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 did he put it that way? Mm. Why didn't he say uh, anger, delusion, and what was it? Greed. Greed and fear. <laughs> or is fear the basis for all of those? Mm. And it's just unspoken. I mean, when yeah. I think of anger, the first thing that pops into mind is fear. It's the flip side. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, why would it be put that way? Uh-huh. Why would that be question. missing? It's a great question and one to investigate. I can't speak for the Buddha. <laughs> but, well, <of> course. <laughs> but I can say from my own experience that... Um, Yes, I agree. There's fear underneath. All, I think all three. I think you could say all three, there's fear underneath often. Um, and then there can also be fear that arises from all three. Now, traditionally, what's said is that ignorance is actually at the base of all three poisons, that it's our ignorance that um, these are arising from. But fear is in the mix. Anger is in the mix. Um, our complacency is in the mix. There's a lot within uh, the tapestry of of what happens in the mind uh, when these three are present. And so certainly fear is, is a part of that in a big way. And so as we sit and practice with something like uh, hatred or anger or aversion, to notice, start to see, well, where does the fear come in? Is there fear here? What does it feel like? How is it influencing the situation? Um, this, is, this is good inquiry to, to keep with, uh, with the practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that when I have hatred, I think it's very much in relation to like my ego and kind of my ego flaring up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I recent, recently went on a retreat, and when I came back from the retreat, I did feel like I um, had released a lot of this ego shell, and mm-hmm. I was very peaceful and blissful. Um, not right now, actually. Right now I have some mm-hmm. tension, and I feel some like anger flaring up today. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... I think what I want to ask is, I had a a talk with a friend today, and they said, like, well, be careful. Like, you don't want to lose your edge. Like, you still need some of that. And I think there's this idea in our culture that, like, you need some of that edge. You need that ego so that you can control your life and control what's happening. Mm. And and I notice it does get scary when, like, weeks go by and I'm just kind of floating. Yeah. um, And I do feel like I'm, when I kind of surrender and release and um, and imi- and living in a state of peace. Like, I do feel like life here in Berkeley supports me because it's so peaceful here in Berkeley. And, like, mm-hmm. I feel like generally you can, um, you can live that way. We're so lucky to, to be here and live that way. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess my question is how do we... 
sh should we, should the paradigm shift like be that convincing people like you can let go of your ego fully and like life will support you or do we need that <laughs> ego to like fight and like not to fight but to like fight for what we care about and yeah 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 thank you for that um you know interestingly one of the ways that uh um in this tradition we talk we don't use the word ego so much as we use the word self and um, I think they're somewhat interchangeable, but um, I think sometimes uh, this idea of, of self, of who we are, might be easier to think of it in that way rather than ego, which um, to me is a word that, uh, is, it's a little elusive to me what that actually is pointing to. Um, this the self in this practice, it's interesting. I think it's so easy to misunderstand that um, like we're, we're suddenly going to be devoid of maybe our personality or even our motivation. Um, like if we practice hard enough and, and the self dissolves, we'll just be like this blob on the cushion <laughs> that never gets up. Um, the Buddha wasn't that way. In fact, after his awakening, he went out and taught and traveled and interacted and um, was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, he, uh, he was a real person still. <laughs> he wasn't just some blob on, on the cushion. So I think we get this misunderstanding that, that um, this is what is meant to happen. And it's true when we go on retreat, we have a less sense of self. Uh, it, we become lighter somehow. Um, and then we come back to our regular life and it starts to trickle in again. And so we start to notice how that, that arises and how that interplays with our reality. Um, I think really the idea here is to notice that the sense of self is not solid, that it is something that is constantly changing in every single moment. The moment we, we uh, condense around it, our idea of ourself, um, is where we get really stuck. It's where we do end up getting fueled uh, in anger and hatred. Because where is it coming from? It's coming from our ignorance, understanding the sense of self, understanding the impermanent nature of it. Um, so if, we can, if you can look at it in that light, I think that'll actually answer your question a little bit more and maybe fuel your practice to look at that a little bit closer as you're going through this transition out of retreat. It's a really precious time because... Uh, the potential of really seeing the the self come back in, the ego come back in, and see the play of that. And you might get frustrated with that. Uh, notice the frustration. It's really, it's okay that it comes in. Notice it, though, and really see how it influences the way that you think, the way that you speak, the way that you act. Don't get too heady and caught up by it. Just Just watch it. Be the observer 
of your experience and see what what wisdom arises from that. I bet it'll be really interesting. Yeah, thank you for that question. Okay, um, maybe one more and then we'll end with some dedication and metta. Um, I found during our reflection when you were talking about thinking of hate and aversion, I find that like in my personal life I can just have a lot of love and compassion and good feelings for everyone around me, even people who annoy me, <laughs> you know, like I can, I can connect with that. But on like a greater scale, I find that times when I believe there's been a real injustice, hate comes up. So like yeah. things that were, that were coming up during the reflection is like when cops use excessive force and somebody dies because yeah. of it or when an animal is tortured by someone. Like, I want to hate the cop. I want to hate the torture at that moment. And I can theoretically <laughs> like, be like, oh, compassion. They probably had, a, you know, are coming from their own place. I don't know. Um, but it's really hard. It's really hard to not just have that, like, strong, like, no, this is injustice. It's not okay. Mm-hmm. Aversion and hate. And I don't know if there's any... No, I I think that's appropriate. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's perfectly appropriate when we hear things like this um, to 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 watch the response. I mean, it's there's it's coming, you know. So the anger part that's in the weave. Remember, this is this is it's complex. It's not just one thing that's arising, right? So the anger arises, but what's also arising is care. You care. You care. There's nothing wrong with caring. This is good. <laughs> and there's, there might be hatred that arises with that care. And so the important thing is to really notice that there's all this stuff coming up, that it's not just one thing. Um, so seeing the care arise, seeing the hatred arise, and then deciding which one do you want to fuel, which one do you want to feed. Feed the care you'll go so much farther with the care. The hatred, you'll burn out. You'll burn out. The care, you'll keep going. You may actually be fully inspired to do something. Uh, Where I find hatred, you might be fueled for a little while, but I think most people burn out. Um, It becomes too overwhelming. Our, Our systems are just not meant to hold that for very long. And so we need the care and the love and the metta. That actually will give the energy that's needed to do something, to not become complacent, to um, not uh, ignore what's going on around us. So choose that. But to see the, com- the, the complex uh, uh, different energies that are flowing through the mind and through the heart, it's, it's, it's almost never one thing, I find. It's always a combination of many things. Yeah. Thank you. So we'll stop there. Let's see. Ernie, do we have any cards? No? Okay. Great. Thank you. So, um, I'll just take a moment to, uh, 
to acknowledge the, the part that we're feeding here, just being here. Um, whether uh, your sit was a comfortable one or not, whether the talk was inspirational or not, it doesn't matter so much. Uh, I think actually the fact that we all intended to come here to spend our time doing this, to cultivate something other than hatred this evening, other than greed or delusion. Um, There's merit that comes with that. Uh, There is something about that, and that we're doing it all collectively in a group. And so we take this time to just acknowledge that intention and the action that came out of that intention. And acknowledging that, you know, we probably came here for ourselves. What a wonderful thing, what a wonderful gift to give for yourself. But then also to acknowledge that uh, this is not just for ourselves, or it certainly doesn't affect just ourselves. That this has an effect on. Uh, other beings as well. And so, in that spirit, we can dedicate the time that we spent together and any accumulated merit that has come uh, by spending this time together in this way to, to all beings. And so we can start with ourself and imagine it rippling out to the people who are dear to us in our life, our family, our friends, our loved ones, going further to the people that we interact in life, uh, but perhaps we don't know them so well. Allowing it to beat out even further, that this may be for the benefit of beings that are not seen by us. Uh, Going out further, may this be for all beings everywhere, excluding none. And so with the theme this evening, keeping in in our consciousness not only the people who are hurt, but the people who are doing the hurting. May this benefit them. So may all beings everywhere, may they experience safety. May they feel safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings have happiness and contentment in their lives. May all beings be healthy in their mind and in their body. May all beings experience the freedom of greed, hatred, and delusion. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.